chapter 3. So you can jump there if you have your scriptures with you. We're going to read this completely way through, and then we're actually going to jump to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read that as well. This is what Malachi 3 says. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they, uh, until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in the former years. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then we're going to flip over to Luke chapter 1, and this is what Luke chapter 1 says. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of the holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham. Grant, uh, uh, to grant us that we, being rescued from, his, from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all I days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High God, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today we are beginning this new season, as Pastor Drew talked about. This is the season of Advent, and this is a season where we prepare for Christmas. We prepare for the coming of Jesus. And during this time, as Pastor Drew and I have been talking and dreaming and praying about how we're leading and guiding this congregation and continuing to uh, dig into the good things that God is doing and also continuing to grow as God intends for us, uh, we wanted to spend some time, a few weeks this Advent, to focus on uh, a particular habit that we want all of you and all Christians to be participating in. You know, we all have habits. We have things that we do kind of day in and day out that shape and form us. If you have a habit of eating well, you're healthy and you feel good. If you have a habit of eating poorly, you aren't healthy and you don't feel good. If you have a habit of brushing your teeth and flossing, you don't get cavities. If you don't have a habit of flossing and brushing your teeth, you do get cavities. There are habits that we do that can actually uh, help us live lives that are healthy and whole, and our spiritual life is exactly the same way. There are things that we can do that help facilitate the growth that God promises us. These are not things that we earn. These are not things that we work to do but they're gifts to us that we get to do in order to grow and become more like Jesus Christ. And one of these habits, the habit that we're gonna be talking about over the next few weeks is that of witnessing or sharing our story and sharing God's story. So over the next few weeks, Pastor Drew and I will be talking about witnessing. 
and how to share God's story and share our own. And I actually want to uh, start off by looking at a couple of interesting facts about our area. Some statistics I looked up, so we'll see those here. Oh, nope, just kidding. We're going to go through the scripture first. Oh. Those aren't the facts that I wanted to show you. That is a picture of the most beautiful and perfect little girl uh, ever. As many of you know, (laughs) thank you. As many of you know, uh, about a month ago, uh, my wife gave birth to our daughter, Anna Marie. And this is actually really what I want to talk to you about today. Because you know what? If you were a parent and you got the church and you got the chance to show off your child in front of the church, you would do the same thing. So I'm doing it. As many of you know, we welcomed Anna Marie Joy in the middle of October, and when you have a child or a grandchild, there's uh, stories that you like to tell about that birth, right? You love to announce it, post it on Facebook, do this, do that. Well, that's exactly how we are. We love to announce the birth of our child and tell the story. And as some of you know, as you've kind of been checking in at the end of the pregnancy and uh, afterwards, you kind of knew the story, at least from my perspective, which was a story of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. So we had been planning and preparing this baby to come in October, and we got news that Pastor Drew was going to be called in October, and I thought, this is great. I'd already planned on taking four weeks off. We'll get Drew in here. The baby will come, and we'll, I'll be able to get this some time off. Drew can kind of get his feet wet, and this will be wonderful. Well, Drew shows up the beginning of October, and I thought, you know, our first child was two weeks early. This is our third child. She'll probably be early, too. The first of October shows up. Pastor Drew gets here. No baby. October 5 rolls around. No baby. Not even any, like, contractions yet. The 10th of October rolls around, no baby. And now, my time of preparation has been running out. We're now digging into the time that I already prepared to be gone, and so we waited. October 15 rolls around, still no baby. Waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, at about two or three in the morning, Sarah's water breaks, and we're like, great. We're doing this. It's happening. And we wait. And we wait, and we wait, and finally, 19 hours later, we got to hold Anna Marie Joy in our arms after waiting and waiting and waiting. A healthy baby and a healthy mother, and now this wonderful integration into our family, wonderful time off, spending time with my boys and enjoying them. This is the story of our daughter's birth. And it's actually quite appropriate that we are thinking about this now because Advent is a time where we tell the story of a couple of births, one of John the Baptist and one of Jesus. And it's the story of John the Baptist that we're going to look at today, specifically John's dad named Zechariah. And so... This, uh, we're going to be looking at this back half of Luke chapter 1, uh, and we hear about this man, Zechariah. His father, his being John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Now, speaking of prophecy would be pretty impressive already, except what's even crazier about this story is that Zechariah had spent the previous nine months silent, actually unable to speak. 
If we back up earlier in Luke chapter one, we hear the story of the announcement of John's birth to Zechariah and Elizabeth. You see, Zechariah had a story. Just like we have a story, just like you have a story, Zechariah had a story, and Zechariah's story was a pretty good one. He was a priest, someone called by God, set aside, educated very well to serve the Lord in the temple. And because he was a priest, he got to be close to God. He got to have proximity to God quite often, serving by giving the offerings and those kinds of things. He got to stay at the temple for extended amounts of times during his times of service. Zechariah was married, and he had this wife, Elizabeth, but here was the problem with their story, is that they were childless. Either Elizabeth or Zechariah were unable to conceive, and at this time, uh, this childlessness meant essentially death. Because the way that you were remembered, the way that you were honored, was by the heritage that you had. So by not having any children, it essentially meant that there was no future for Zechariah and Elizabeth. And especially for Elizabeth, which at this time, uh, the value of a woman was in the, the children that she could bear. And so there was a lot of shame a lot of guilt for both Zechariah, but especially for Elizabeth. And as Zechariah was called to be the high priest for this particular time, the way that they did it, they did it by lot. So you'd have all your priests gathered, they would do this kind of chance kind of game where they would, I don't know, it was like rolling dice or something, right? That they would choose randomly one person to be the high priest. Well, Zechariah was the high priest, a great honor where you actually get to go into the Holy of Holies, the most holy and beautiful and also dangerous place to be, because that's where the very presence of God was. So Zechariah was called to be the high priest for this time, and he went in to give the offerings and to burn the incense, and while he's in there, an angel of the Lord appears before him and says, Zechariah, even though you're old, even though Elizabeth is old, you're gonna have a child, you're gonna have a baby, Finally, after waiting and waiting and waiting all these years, you're going to have a baby. Well, Zechariah didn't believe him, didn't believe the angel of the Lord and said, this can't be. My wife is too old. I'm too old. And so as a way of, I just kind of imagine this as God being, having a good sense of humor, he just shut Zechariah up and said, okay, you don't believe me, you will not be able to talk. So for nine months, Zechariah cannot speak. And sure enough, wouldn't you know it, Elizabeth becomes pregnant, and she gives birth, and they end up naming him John, and then the Holy Spirit fills Zechariah, and he's able to speak for the first time in nine months. And after being able to speak at this point, he tells a story. Not his own story, but God's story. And how God interacts with his own story, and that's when we actually get into these passages here, beginning in verse 67 and on to 68. This is what Zechariah says. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies 
and from the hand of all who hate us. Zechariah begins by giving praise to the Lord for a savior. Now we as Christians, we hear this story about the savior every single year. We're well used to this idea that Jesus is the savior, but at this time, this was a distanced but glimmering hope. They had heard these prophets, they had, they had heard the word of the Lord talk about some king that was coming in the future, that was going to right all wrongs. There are, there are pieces, portions of Isaiah and Ezekiel, of Jeremiah, that have this promised future of this king and priest that's gonna be raised up. All the way back to Genesis chapter three, that tells the story of the fall of Adam and Eve disobeying and rebelling against God, there's a promise of a person who's going to turn things around. Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, understands that this is that moment. That this is that moment. And he continues on, verse 72, thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and had remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we being rescued from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. So we have this promise, we actually read the promise in Malachi that there would be somebody raised up to prepare the way of the Lord, that God had been preparing Israel since Genesis 3, since Adam and Eve, he had been preparing the people of Israel and having them wait for the right time. This is the story of God. A good creation distorted by man's, by human's rebellion and the promise of God's faithfulness through it all, and Zechariah continues to speak and he says, and you child, he's talking about John the Baptist, his son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sin. John is promised, and uh, Zechariah prophesies that John is going to be this way to soften and prepare Israel for the Savior. And as we read later in the Gospels, we hear about this ministry of John the Baptist, that he called them to repentance, and they repented. And then when Jesus came on the scene, John said, there's the guy. He's the one that we've been waiting for this whole time. That's exactly what John the Baptist did. Then Zechariah continues with this prophecy of Jesus by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Jesus is a revelation, is the revelation of God's mercy. And through Jesus, a light will shine on the world, revealing the actions of humans revealing our shortcomings, but also revealing God's love and mercy, and ultimately revealing that God's love and mercy is stronger than our violence, than our hate, and our sin. This is the story of God. And as we hear Zechariah's story, his response to God's goodness is not to just say, finally I have a son, but it's to recognize how his own story, the story of John and Zechariah's story, interacts and intersects with 
God's story. And we have this great story, this shocking story, the story of scripture about a creator who loves his creation, about a creation who tries to take authority away from God, and a God who, rather than punish his creation, instead becomes one of his creation in order to make a way for his creation to be part of his family again. This is not a story that makes sense to us as humans. It runs counterintuitive to how we think the world works. Well, if you do something wrong, you're punished. And the Lord says no. In the face of betrayal, in the face of hate, he becomes a servant in Jesus Christ. And then God brings together a community of people, the church, who are his new family and the new creation, living in and practicing life under God's abundant grace. This is the story of God, and it's a really good story. It's worth dedicating our lives to. And I'll tell you what, our world needs a story like that because we live in a world that cannot make sense of their suffering and their joy. We live in a world that cannot make sense of the world around it. And we need to give Uh, we need to be gentle and compassionate and understand that many of our neighbors are trying their best to understand how the world works, but the stories that we're telling each other out in our society are not stories that are going to help us have flourishing and hope and healing. And I think that we can see this in the amount of division, both politically and culturally, that we have. Um, In 2017, there was a study... Uh, that uh, showed that the rates of individuals who had major depression uh, increased 52% from 2005 to 2017 um, in those who are young people. So we're talking, this is 18 to 25. Or sorry, no, that's younger than 18. Those who are 18 to 25, it actually increased 63% between 2009 and 2017. And we won't fully know the effects of the COVID pandemic until many years down the road. But we do know the evidence that we're seeing already is that this has only accelerated. That COVID actually pushed us about 15 years down the road on many of these numbers. We have neighbors who don't have stories to help them understand why suffering happens and what suffering does to us. That's because all the work that we've done the last 250 years through the Enlightenment, the promises have not panned out. It turns out that a world divorced from God and a world where we rely on our own understanding has not panned out as well as we would have hoped. And that's not a direct correlation or causation, but it's interesting to note. Ten years ago, uh, there was a, about, about 10 years ago, not exactly 10 years ago, about 10 years ago, there was a big study of Sterling um, students, public school students. And at that time, 38% of the students surveyed said that they participated in some kind of religious activity once a week, 38%. Uh, certainly, about 10 years ago, that number is going to be much different now. Certainly after COVID, where church attendance, and, or I shouldn't even say church, just religious activity attendance is down across the board across all religions. 
So we're not hearing stories like we used to. The way that we're getting stories is through the news media, through social media, and through entertainment. That's how we're getting stories. And these stories that we are telling are not helping us become healthy. We need to learn how to tell this shocking story of God's forgiveness. And this story forms us, it shapes us. It helps us become a place, a church of safety and joy where people are free to be healed. And sometimes that happens through medicine, sometimes that happens through counseling, sometimes that happens through mentorship and discipleship, almost always between a combination of two or three of those. This is a place where we become a people where we can grow and heal without fear, without embarrassment, because we have a Lord who has forgiven us. This is the place where we can tell people that you can have a relationship with your creator, where he tells you, you are welcomed, you are loved, and you are my child, and I'm pleased with you. And he heals our wounds. Let me tell you a story, um, the story about our, our daughter. Her name is Anna Marie Joy. And the reason that we uh, chose that middle name Joy, we had some family friends and they had a daughter whose middle name was Joy and my wife has always loved that. She was also a really wonderful lady in the church that I grew up in. Uh, she was the wife of the pastor that I had when I was first um, growing up in that church. And her name was Joy. And so when Sarah was like, I've been thinking about the middle name Joy, and I'm like, oh, I love that. I think that's great, because then I can, you know, we can honor Joy Foster, and we can also honor our family friends. And so we chose Joy. But what we found is that through the pregnancy, we didn't really have a lot of joy, especially reflecting on the difficulty uh, after our last child, reflecting on the difficulty of losing a child, of losing a pregnancy last year. There was fear and there was worry. And what we found is that joy and the decision to name her joy is an act of defiance, of resistance against the fear and against the worry. Because our joy is not in even the health of our child or even the life of our child, but it's in the Lord. He is the one who gives us joy. He is the one who calls us and names us. Joy is the fruit of his Holy Spirit, which means we do not work it up in ourselves, but it is a gift given to us. Joy is a response, knowing that God will work out all things for our good. Joy is a defiance against our worst fears. So we named her Joy. Not because we had joy, but because we know the Lord gave us joy. Joy is a realization that when we are weak, God is strong. That's our story. How our story interacts with God's story, the birth of our child, and the decision to trust in God no matter what, and to trust in his joy. That's one story. But you have a story too. A story where you have told it again and again of happiness, of sickness, of difficulty, of challenge. And our invitation is for us to recognize God's story, the story of a creator who loves us and redeems us, and recognize where he has interacted with our story and to share it. I know that the term evangelism is really scary, but all that that is, all that witnessing is, is sharing our story and how God has interacted and impacted 
our story. And that's the invitation for you this Advent season, to reflect on God's story and reflect on your story and tell it. Tell it to your family, to your friends, and to those who will listen.